0: Welcome back to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host is always Daniel Jonas and we are back folks. And when I mean back, I mean MMA is back. So we are back talking everything MMA. This past weekend we had our first fights back UFC 249. And then this week tomorrow we have UFC fight night Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith. So today is going to be just all MMA talk. Nothing more than that. Um... Probably go on for 60 minutes or so, maybe less. Uh, it is Tuesday, a May 12, 2020, here, Charlotte, North Carolina, as always. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview that, we, that I did last week with Nate Evans from MMA uh, True Fan. Um, he'll definitely be back on. We'll do more episodes, breaking down fights and stuff. I also want to get into breaking down fights with fighters. Uh, if anyone in the audience has an idea of which fighter you think would be most open to sitting down doing a Zoom call with me and breaking down fights, um, send, send them to me in a DM or an email. Um, you can even, as you write a review on iTunes, you can put their name down. Just give an idea just to have different voices on the podcast and talk to different people because I really enjoyed that interview um, and I definitely want to do more. So, that being said, why don't we get into some MMA news, and then we'll break down what happened this past weekend, and we can kind of do both at the same time, just because I'm sure they all coincide together. Conor McGregor's manager says MMA is a priori- priori- priority now, but boxing is definitely something he plans on doing. Okay, that really doesn't have anything to do with what we were talking about this past weekend. So let's fucking not talk about that. Let's just talk about this past weekend. All right, so this past weekend, we had UFC 249. And it was one hell of a card. Watched it from top to bottom. It felt good to be back. It definitely felt even better to just be watching fights live. Um, That adrenaline that you got, I mean, especially watching the main card, like the nervousness that you just get. Your heart's beating. like it, It's like watching a great movie. Um, so what's there to say? I'm trying to pull up the fight card, so give me one second. Um. So what's there to say about it? <clears throat> well, why don't we go to the early prelims, because, I, like I said, I watched the whole thing. The first fight was great. Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey. Uh, definitely, like, back and forth. Um... Each guy had each other hurt, and ha- and then Ryan Spann almost got two head and arm chokes. Very head and arm choke heavy pre- early prelims. Then we go on to the Bryce Mitchell fight. One of the most impressive fights I've seen, I saw all night, as as far as a guy who just entered the UFC and a vet in Charles Rosa. Um, Bryce was still the favorite because he's fan favorite and definitely ha- has shown... Um, development and his skills, and he's an up-and-comer. Charles Rosa, though, uh, I mean, nasty, right? He just submitted de- uh, Dennis Bermuda, no, Dan- David Bermuda, Bermuda's, Um Manny Bermudez, and submission specialist. So Charles Rosa, legit black belt, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Bryce Mitchell went in there, and he put on a grappling clinic. You're talking about a kid. There's only been one other twister in the UFC, other than him, and he's sitting there trying to put it on five times in this fight. Charles Rosa, if it was any less of a person, would have tapped immediately to that. Um, And then if that wasn't working, he would go to the head and arms choke and then back to the twister, and it was just a clinic. He would time takedowns perfectly when Charles Rosa threw kicks or after a combination, so it was like kick to punch or kick to or punch to wrestling, or it was timing it off the opponent's movement so and then he just kept control the whole entire time on top um just unbelievable performance and he's definitely getting Reebok shorts I'm pretty sure because the that performance um but yeah it was crazy it was a crazy good fight definitely a way to start off the card and then we moved into the prelims and that started with the rematch of Vicente Luque versus Nico Price I mean back and forth crazy good fight uh Vicente Luque, impressive once again. He wins by TKO in the third round, Dr. Stoppage. Um, So what happened, I mean, the whole fight, perfect as far as Vicente landing the hard strikes, but he was teeing off on Nico's right side, and then it was just like a moment of he just needed a left hook, and I was just like... If he just throws that left hook, and he throws this weird left hook, but you know it came out at a weird angle, but de- uh, the way he threw it delivers a lot of power because the elbow's so high up. Um, and yeah, so he torqued it and got some snap on it and busted that eye clean open and closed Nico's eye. Um, I mean, he's two and zero oh against the guy. It, it's he's I think he's got his number. I mean, Nico Price is so unorthodox. It's, it's not a matter of, and Nico tried to darse Vicente, and DC's like, oh, he's going for the Dars, and Vicente said that he heard that and was like, no way, I'm the Dars guy, and then he got out of it. Um, that was one of the cool things about watching the fights without an audience is you don't hear the crowd going crazy, dulls a lot of the stuff out, like the, the, the thudding of the shots. And you watch it, and my I was watching with my girlfriend, she's like, Oh, you can really hear those you can really hear the shots. And I was like, Yeah, it's a fight. Like it's not with the crowd, it really ha- it would be like no crowd football game, and you just heard the thud you can kinda hear it with the audio that they have with the NFL. But at the same time, if you were just there and you heard the collisions that the guys these guys would ha- were having, you'd be like, Oh yeah, they're for sure getting concussions. T V dulls a lot of things. Um, I mean, just, like, how tall someone is. I get a lot of the, oh, wow, I thought they were taller about certain fighters and everything. Um, and so when you see it, I mean, the blood's always been a thing. You can't, and cuts, like, you can, That that's arguably worse on TV because of the HD quality. But, yeah, when you hear it, you're just like, yeah, that's a that's what a fight sounds like. That's like when two guys fight in a bar. That's what it sounds like. Um, arguably not as technical and not as pretty, but it's not pleasant. So when you hear the crowd going, and you hardly hear those thuds and cracks and stuff, it makes it a little bit more palatable. So I'm wondering if it's going to... I wonder if it's going to... Because a lot of people watch this it's the first sport back. There were no other sports. I mean, you had a bunch of people tweeting about it during the thing. Famous people, people of influence, because there's nothing else. So sports are sports. It gives you a good distraction. People got into it. I wonder if watching it with, like, the intensity of every shot landing and he being able to hear it and the lack of crowd, or it just seems like a – it's like a hardcore fan's – it's Dana White contender series, right? Not everyone's going to watch that show. It's mostly built just for the fans. And so, when you're not really a fan of it, and now you're just watching two guys fight each other and for the glory of no one, it's not even coliseum like. It's like they're having a a glorified sparring match. Um, I wonder if the I wonder if the casual fan is turned off more about it or, um. Or they're more into it, if it got them to the next level of being more than just a casual fan and having more of an appreciation for it, like the Chinese or like the, I guess the Chinese do, I don't know, uh, like the Japanese audience, right? They are very silent. They appreciate the sport and they clap for it. Our nation in the United States isn't, its national sport isn't a martial art, so it doesn't instill discipline. In the every person, because not every person did martial arts growing up. So you don't get that from everyone at an early age. Whereas in Japan, Jido's the national sport. Um, South Korea, the national sport is Taekwondo. Russia, even, the national sport is Sambo. These are all martial arts. So the whole nation, at some point, did it. Thailand, you get in a cab, and the guy's like, what are you here for? And you go, Muay Thai. And they're like, oh, I used to fight Muay Thai. And you're like, oh, really? How many fights? They're like forty. Like that's ridiculous. He's like, ah, that's when I was twelve. It, it some some countries are built with this this unique national sport of being fighting each other. So certain certain audiences are just more educated about it. Not necessarily saying it's better or worse. It just it shows when you watch these MMA fights, and without a crowd, it benefits the hardcore fan because you get to watch and see and hear everything, and not have the uh, distraction of an uneducated audience who's muffling every sound. Um, all right. So the next fight was Carlos Barza versus Michelle Watterson. This is starting to show where the Jacksonville education judging is coming in. Michelle Watterson probably won that fight. Carla Esparza won. Um, honestly, watched it. Not much happened, but Carla flurried, but didn't really do much with it. Couldn't take Michelle down. Um, yeah, she went one of ten takedowns. Uh, she threw more. She landed more strikes. kind of yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know. I just uh I thought Michelle won that fight personally. And then you have the return of what the fuck? Then you have the return of Verdoom against Alexei Oleonek just for Doom didn't look himself, but at the same time, uh, Alexi just looked really good. He looked in great shape. He put the pressure on Verdum and just got the win. It was just two old guys fighting. That's about it. Not much more to say about that. And then Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis, too. Uh, what a fight. It was great back and forth. Awesome. Anthony Pettis took a head kick that no one else has ever taken and just walked off and i mean at 170 you're just getting two guys that are revitalized donald Cerrone using his wrestling uh i actually kind of want to see the stats on that he got two of eight takedowns but still got two i want to see what his control time was because i don't know how that is, they don't tell that okay never mind um but donald Cerrone took some shots uh, for a guy that in his last fight uh or his last time versus Anthony Pettis. I mean, he lost in very, very short time. Goes in there, goes three rounds, and I arguably thought arguably thought he won the fight. Stats show that Anthony Pettis landed more. However, I think the takedowns and control that he had against Pettis and just overall game, uh, especially in the third round. Um Yeah, I just thought Donald Cerrone got that W. Anthony Pettis kind of even acknowledged it. He's like, "Uh, okay, sure, I'll take it. But, I mean, this guy definitely wrestled me and, you know, beat me up a little bit. Uh, I just thought it was a great performance from Donald, especially coming back after getting knocked out from Conor really quick, and then taking all these shots from Anthony. Uh, Yeah. It just shows... How good Donald is. Even in this later stages of life, he keeps showing up, keeps performing, and even coming off of a really bad loss, shit, man, he arguably got that win back. All right, so then we go on to the main card, and it starts off with a really odd fight between Jorgen DeCastro and Greg Hardy, where Jorgen DeCastro was doing phenomenal in the very beginning of the fight. Throwing these nasty leg kicks, perfection. One of my favorite techniques, if done correctly, is a leg kick. Because of, you know, the way the body has to move, especially if someone's throwing like a right hand and you slip the right hand when you throw the leg kick and you chop it down and you see the mechanics. It's just a, it's so reminiscent of like kicking a soccer ball, but, um, because you're just like driving. Anyway, he was doing phenomenal throwing these beautiful leg kicks. Until he broke his foot, and then he just didn't do anything. And then Greg Hardy threw leg kicks and won the fight. It wasn't anything exciting, but Jorgen DeCastro just, like, stopped fighting in the middle of it because he broke a foot. So Greg Hardy wins. Just an odd fight. I was like, oh, God, I hope the rest of the card isn't this way. But luckily it wasn't because we moved on to Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. And in the second round, Calvin Cater hits Jeremy Stevens, with a bomb of an elbow. Um, I mean, Calvin Cater started off a little bit slow, but towards the end of the round, he picked it up fucking hard, throwing these crisp combinations, crisp boxing combinations, just showing the level of striking difference, with at, at least in the hands. He was taking some leg kicks, but then he re- was returning leg kicks. Uh, he's got great Muay Thai. It's just that his boxing's probably a little bit better than his Muay Thai, so he's like... If I can just get into that range, I can fuck this guy up. And he got into that range, and he did something in the second round by adapting and taking his boxing and his Muay Thai together and setting up an elbow just the way, you'd, that, the way he set up his right hand in other fights. You know, slapping the, slapping the head to the right hand or slapping the arm to clear the uh, hand for the right hand. But instead, he goes left hand, gets a hold of Jeremy's head, places that elbow on the mouth, comes down with the left elbow when Jeremy's on the ground, slices him, and uh, they stop it. really bad cut. Um, but yeah, Calvin cater, featherweight is the real deal. If you get If you could get a five round fight with Zabit, beat, think he takes it back, and then who in the featherweight division? Um, This is the point where I'm going to start matchmaking. And I have all right to. I have all right to matchmaking. Um, Okay. There's Yair Rodriguez. So he just beat Jeremy Stevens. So that jumps him up from there, there, there. So essentially he's seven. Let's say he's seven now, which is what he should be because he beats seven, so he becomes seven. Frank Edgar's dropping down. So you can essentially say he's six. There's Yair Rodriguez, Chan Sung Jung. Chan Sung Jung supposed to fight Brian Ortega. Zabit. Zabit's supposed to fight who? Yair? Or does Jer- just Calvin jump and fight Yair? Or, well, then Alexander Volkanovsky is supposed to fight Max Holloway again. Hmm. It's kind of stuck in this weird spot. I say he fights – tries to get a fight with, like, Yair or someone. I don't know. He's in a weird spot. I think everyone's kind of locked up. Anyway, great fight, great performance. And then Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Okay, well, I thought this fight was going to go a little bit longer, and I thought Francis was going to use wrestling or he was going to, like, do something to show some evolution. He didn't, didn't need to, but also – okay – Uh, He went in there, uh, world-winded his hands, chin up in the air, and then just, like, scared Jarzinho to back up and knocked him out. Like, there was no technique to it. Jarzinho did talk shit, said he was going to beat him. Not necessarily talking shit, just more like, I'm going to beat you. And so I'm calling you out, Francis, and no one calls out Francis. So he's like, okay, yeah, fuck. You want to call me out? And then he hits him and knocked him out and it it, it wasn't it was it's crazy I'm like holy shit but but DC said it right like that doesn't show any improvement because a Stepe a or a DC is going to just take him down or they're going to move one way um he should get a title shot after this and that should be either DC or Stepe but I still think Stipe beats him. I haven't seen anything from Francis because he's knocked everyone out. I mean, he's stopped a couple takedowns. Um, and I think D.C. beats him, possibly. I don't know. It a little bit hard with D.C. because D.C.'s relatively smaller. And although I'm not taking away from D.C. because he's very good with the bigger guys, I just don't know about this big guy, you know? Like DCO, I mean, taller fighter's not a big deal, it's just that this guy's like like a superhuman. So, I don't know. He definitely deserves a title shot or interim title something. And then we move on to Henry Cejudo retaining the title and then immediately retiring after. Smart move, smart move. Versus Dominic Cruz. And there's a little bit of controversy, did it stop? Too early and this is my this is my take on the controversy. Dominic Cruz obviously being the fighter he was and arguing the logic that he should and he should definitely write a blog about it, you can't be stopped standing up. Okay, sure. I argue, yeah, because you're not you're not technically knocked out. Okay. So my thoughts on this are you took a knee, you got sat the fuck down like Cody did. It's a knee to the face. It's a strong shot. Then Cejudo hits you with a right hand with like a lot of force. He jumped into it right hand. And then he started tagging you with shots as you started getting your composure. One, two, three, four, five, six, like thirteen unanswered shots or something like that. I like Dom. And I like Dom as a commentator. I don't like Dom if he has a stutter. I don't like Dom if he can't be the smart, intelligent Dom that we all know and love. Cejudo landed a lot of shots on him. Am I gonna say that? Is it, is it wrong that Dom wasn't knocked out at that moment anymore when he was standing up and he was getting back to his feet and getting his, his faculties all together? Yeah, I think so. I think he was doing fine. I think it could have. I could. I think it could have kept on going. Do I hate the stoppage? No, I don't hate it. Do I wish the fight went on longer? Of course. I mean, second round, four minutes and fifty-eight seconds. Do I think I, I I think Dom was kind of getting his footing? Probably going to the third round, we'd probably see a little bit. But Henry Cejudo was doing very well with the leg kicks, and he did stop Dom's one leg from working for a second. Um, but I think I, I don't know. I, I think it's it would have just gone five rounds, but that knee. See the difference between the Cody and this fight. And I and I've explained it before is refs like to see give me a reason to stop the fight. Cody knocked Dom down. Dom had all the reason to get back up cuz Cody didn't follow him down to the ground. I don't know if it was a I don't know if it was a fear of letting Dom recover by letting him grapple and maybe an out and then maybe he knew that Dom could possibly outgrapple him. So he thought, maybe if I just kept it on the feet, I have a better chance of just like finishing it. Henry is so confident in his grappling that when he drops Dom, he can go in for the finish. And just like TJ Dillashaw is very good at, I don't know if it's because of certain things. I'm um I mean, it's definitely for certain things. But the ability to finish is a very lost art because it requires a lot of cardio and a lot of confidence. Henry's got both. He works with that Nero Force 1 team, and he gets in phenomenal shape, and so he's allowed to put the pressure on when it matters. When he dropped Dom, he got on top of him, and he did what any referee is looking for, and that's strikes until they are unanswered, and all those strikes were unanswered strikes. And so the rep has no choice but to get into the middle of it. Now, if I knock you down and I look at you and I ask you to stand up, the ref's not going to stop it unless, like, I'm face down or unless you're face down and you're knocked out. But if you're sitting there and you're, like, in guard like Verdum does, like he gets hit and then sits into guard because he wants you to go into his guard, the ref's just going to make me stand up. But if I drop you and then immediately pass your guard and start hitting you, no matter how hard the shots are, if I can just, like, keep hitting you, and you don't do anything, but all you're doing is trying to get stand back up, and you're not hitting back, or you're not, arguably, I wouldn't hit back either. I would just try to stand back up. But if you're not doing anything, and you're taking these shots, as a referee, they have to step in and stop the fight. So that's what Henry did. He capitalized on the ability to finish. And so he did. And he retained the belt, and then immediately retired. Good on him. uh, I mean, he's very accomplished as a combat athlete in all senses of the word. Olympic gold medalist, youngest Olympic gold medalist as far as wrestling is concerned um, in the United States. And then flyweight world champion, bantamweight world champion, got it, defended it, got the flyweight belt, defended it. Got the Bantamweight belt, defended it. So if he's got other opportunities, which I'm sure he does because of the because of the success they've had in combat sports, he can now take that and make a lot of money with it. So why waste the time? He's thirty something years old. Uh he's got a beautiful girlfriend. They probably want to start a family. And so yeah. Congrats. There's nothing more to it. Now who holds the belt? I have no idea, because I don't know what the fuck Dom's going to do. Because he, I, I was just picturing him winning, getting the belt, and then retiring. <laughs> kind of puts a huge wrench. I, I mean, it doesn't really put a huge wrench. But it, it begs for an interim title fight, which no one's talking about. Interim title fight between who in the Bantamweight division? I say Petrion and Algernon Sterling. Just go ahead and give it to the guys that, can carry this division on to the next you know onto the next level of evolution in it rather than just like Dom versus Cody 2, which I hope they don't do, but for the interim time well oh wait, Cody's supposed to fight Rafael Sun is that this weekend? ooh wait hold on, you'll see no. Yo, wait, no way, hold on. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's supposed to fight soon. But is that on the Overeem versus Harris card? Oh, Chito, Chico Vera's on the card, sick. No. He definitely wouldn't be on the prelims. Oh, Michael Johnson's fighting. Lightweight, he's back at lightweight. Thiago Moises. Why does that guy look familiar? Did he fight in LFA? Yo. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, he did fight in LFA. Yo, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I drove this dude. Oh shit. Cool. Well, he's fighting this weekend against Michael Johnson. That's cool. I met that guy. Cool shit. Small world. Um, so, uh, okay. So I was talking about Cody Garbrandt. I don't know what they're going to do about the Vantamweight belt. Cause we still have to talk about the main event, but he was supposed to fight somebody soon. I was pretty sure, but anyway, I hope they don't do that, but they might, they might do like Cody versus Dom for the belt or whoever's up there, but I'm hoping it's Al Jermaine versus Petryon. Petryon is a fucking monster. I love it. Um, all right. So then you have Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje in a surprising, fucking five round, unbelievable fight. Now, a little bit of pretext before fight or before I break this down. One, I love Tony. Still, even after this loss, nothing's going to change about that. I think this fight, though, chain, changed him for good. I don't think you're ever going to get the same Tony. I hope we do because of a guy that recovered from a knee surgery an unparalleled amount of times to go on and you know, continue his win streak and have some incredible fights. However, he cut, wait, twice? Back-to-back. When he got into the cage, he looked visibly older. Um, And then going five rounds with Justin Gaethje, a guy who, if you haven't seen his knockouts and just watched this fight, go see what his right hand does to everybody else. But what did I say the other week? The thing that scared me the most about Justin is that his coach and his mindset and game planning, now after those three wins, turns him into a completely different fighter. And we saw that with Trevor Whitman in the corner in the most awesome... A Trevor Whitman should get coach of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for right now. What he did in that corner, in the fourth and fifth round, when he goes, he's hurt, or the between the fourth and fifth round, and he goes... And Justin's all happy because Tony's threw everything at him. He even dropped Justin. Justin shook it off. Felt great. It felt like he yeah, I mean, fought five rounds. Was worried about the pressure of Tony. Was worried about not. He said he was, only had three rounds in him. Turns out he didn't because he landed that right hand. So many times. All right. Actually, hold on. Let's talk about Tony for a second. Tony was off that night, and then on top of that, his game plan for it just doesn't work on Justin. Justin doesn't break. So if your if your game plan is breaking somebody, and breaking somebody in turn makes them less sharper and dulls their ability to fight, and then it allows and then you become like a snowball where once they start to break and you start seeing a chip, you chip at it more, chip at it more, chip at it more, until they can't take it, and they they either physically show or they find a way out or whatever the case may be. But when you have a guy that just doesn't do that, he just, like, has all the armor, and or your swords aren't strong enough to break it, Antonio's doing some good stuff, like those front kicks to the body. I thought they were going to pay dividends. Nope. And what I thought was going to hinder Justin Gaethje, I'm sure, actually helped him. It was the fact that he doesn't really have to cut weight. He cuts weight, but Tony had to cut weight. And then he did it two weeks before that. And so when Justin went in there and he took what Tony had to give him, and he's like, this actually isn't as bad as everyone thought it. Everyone said it was going to be. And kept to incredible boxing the angles of, of going in, dropping level, searching for that shot. So he'd slip a punch, and then he'd, he'd try to pick it, uh, an angle, and then he'd throw the right hand. He'd slip over, throw the right hand. He'd, in between tempos, throw the right hand, and just broke Tony's face. I mean, he suffered a broken orbital, but he just punished him. And Justin sends people flying with that right hand. The left hook was there too, right? Trevor Whitman, you've had people hurt before, and then you get too overzealous and you get knocked the fuck out. What are we gonna do? And he's like, he's like, yeah, twice. I done twice. He's like, stay sharp, stay sharp, motherfucker. Like that's all you got to do. And he did. He knocked him. Well, he like stopped the fight. He TKO Tony. Tony got upset for a second, but Tony, when he shook his head, it's a it's a weird thing to see because it's not a normal reaction. And when I mean not a normal reaction, usually people like spit blood, like shoot it out of their nose, hold their eye. But when you shake. That that, to me, that makes it feel like there's something broken in your face, like your face is broken because you feel something like loose you feel like you or you're trying to like shake off something you're trying to shake something off tony's been cut before also so it's not like he's shaking cuz he's got cut shaking cuz like there's something internally wrong his vision maybe right but either way something's fucking not good it was the right call and uh yeah your new lightweight champion and your answer to russia our, to the United States' Russian problem is Justin Gaethje. He'll be taking the mantle to try to fight the eagle. And as far as a stylistic matchup, I think he's great. I think it's a great stylistic matchup. He's uh, low center of gravity, really good at the sprawling and brawling, really brings that. And I think that right hand, what Dustin Poirier couldn't do, what Michael Johnson couldn't do, I think Dustin or Justin Gaethje, and I guess Connor couldn't do. And I think that's uh, just knock him out. I think he can knock him out. Um, but it's going to be a lot of training. And uh, as long as he's got Trevor Whitman in his corner and they develop a great game plan. I mean, you rewatch the Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade fight. Jessica... Although she won, those first minute, just the evolution of striking or just the difference in striking was revolutionary. I mean, compared to the two of them, you have one of the most. <coughs> you have a girl who's sharp as a motherfucker. <coughs> <coughs> yeah. Jesus. You have a girl who's st- sharp as a motherfucker. I swallowed water on the down the wrong pipe. You have a girl who's stronger than a motherfucker. Um. Are sharper than a motherfucker under Trevor Whitman, and just the angles, the jabs, the hooks, the left, the right hand, whatever that may be. Um, that's what that's Justin's coach. Like Justin is there, he just fights differently, um, but it's still the same thing. It's unbelievable. So that was the fights. I hope you guys enjoyed them. I fucking did. I loved them. But that being said. We have more fights tomorrow. We have more fights tomorrow. Uh, Oh, and shout out to George St. Pierre for being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, speaking with Nate Evans just uh, the other week, last week, talking about George and having his documentary coming out couldn't come out in a better time. So, look forward to that. And let's go ahead and figure out what else is going on. Okay, so... If Stipe won't fight, Daniel Cormier is probably going to fight Francis. Probably for the interim title. That'd be a good idea. They two could fight for an interim title. Kelvin Gastelum suspended from USADA for a second doping violation of marijuana. Don't you have to, like, smoke the day of the fight? Wait. And he is, is, I guess Two thousand seven well that was in two thousand positive for THC, the main psychoactive. Oh yeah, it's coming from a New York fight. I was like what the f yeah, okay. Well, that's what happens. You can't be high on the day of the fight. Sucks to suck. Of course Justin gates is the underdog to Khabib. Khabib is undefeated. Owen oh, St. Peru fights this weekend, so that's fun. He fights at heavyweight. I'm actually kind of excited for that. I was watching the highlights of his finishes that UFC put up. People forget, OSP is a motherfucker. And then the Glover versus Iron Kutalaba fight, showing his veteran savvy and his immensely good ground game. Douglas Lima versus Michael Venom page highlight up on the DaZone website or the Zone channel. Knockout from hell. Everyone talking shit about Connor because Connor came out and talked shit about everybody. Khabib, Justin. I forget who else mostly win at Khabib. And then Dustin's like, you have one win at lightweight in the UFC. Pipe down. That's crazy. He only does have one win. (laughs) You girls are on the same team. Quit playing with the fake shit. (laughs) Oh wow. Henry Souda wants to go for to win a title in boxing. That'd be funny, because uh Ryan Garcia called him out. Cody Garbrandt going at USADA because they suspended Kevin Gasolin for smoking weed. All they're asking is just for, like, the day of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Till. Colby is actually one of the best MMA fighters in the game. It's so sad because he's a pure weasel-faced cunt. Respect for the fighting skills. No respect for turning your back on your friends, teammates, and whoever else. Stay loyal to those. (laughs) Um, ESPN Plus logged a north of 700,000 buys, a good result from Saturdays, according to numbers. I think that's good. 700,000? Probably not anymore, though, right? Probably should be higher. Excuse me, we got not, not, nothing else to do. All right. Before I get into the fights, let's see if there's anything else worth weighing in on. Let's see. Let's see. No. Okay. So let's break these fights down. They're about to actually do the weigh-ins right now. But let's break these fights down. So, starting in the prelims, we got Chase Sherman, the return, versus Ike Villanova. Villanova. Chase Sherman, heavyweight with fancy footwork. I like him in that. Featherweight versus Brian Kelleher versus Hunter Azure. Brian Kelleher just came back and won his last fight through submission. Um, I mean, if he's back, he's back. It's a pretty good bet on him. I like Boom Boom Kelleher. I don't know this Hunter dude. He's never fought in the UFC. Hm. Um, okay, and then we got. Gabriel Benitez versus Omar Morales. That's a sleeper fight right there. Gabriel Benitez is usually a banger, and if Morales can gets pulled into it, it should be fun. So Jara Eubanks versus Sarah Morais. To toss him, I guess. Michael Johnson versus Thiago Moises uh, at lightweight. Like Michael Johnson, Thiago's um, ver- relatively new uh, to the UFC, but if he can show promise against Michael Johnson and beat that vet. It's good news for him. Same thing with this Philip Linz versus Andre Arlovsky fight. If Philip can beat Andre, puts him on the map, especially if they can do it decisively. Um, and then in the main cards, let's talk about the main cards. Uh, Carl Robertson Robertson versus Marvin Vittori. That's a great middleweight fight. Um, Bantamweight, we got the return of Ricky Simone. Mullet kid versus Ray Borg. Uh, Ray Borg. Hopefully he makes weight today, but um, he got a win in his last fight against Rodriguez. And that was at flyweight. We'll mm. see so who dies at bantamweight. He's not going to be able to just, like, bully them. That's what his game plan at flyweight was. He used to just, like, grapple, bully um, the guys, but... Ricky Simone's pretty big. We'll see. Lightweight, we got Alexander Hernandez versus Drew Dober. Uh, I like Drew Dober in this fight. Drew Dober just knocked the fuck out of uh, N- Nasserat Happersat. And uh, I think Alexander Hernandez, as much as he's back, I think there's just, like, these two. I mean, the also, the the... The experience on Drew Dober's side, 22-9. and I like Drew Dober in that fight. As much as Alexander Hernandez thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, I think Drew Dober's just too explosive. And if you had trouble with Donald Cerrone, you're going to have major trouble with this guy. And then heavyweight, you got Ben Rothwell versus Ovin St. Preux. That's a pretty heavy... It's a pretty heavy serving for Ovens for his heavyweight debut, but if he can be faster and kind of just like outpoint Ben Rothwell, I mean, he can possibly hurt him or submit him, but what you don't want to do is get into a match where you get hit by any of Ben Rothwell's right or left hands because Ovens has shown uh, weakness in the chin, and Ben Rothwell is one of those guys, especially at heavyweight, where he's so awkward. That you don't want to just get caught. And so. Open St. is either going to have to play real smart. Or I want to see what he's like at heavyweight. If he can take shots. Now that he doesn't have to cut weight. And then you have Anthony Smith. And Glover Teixeira in the main event. This is a very sneaky good fight. Because Anthony Smith is obviously someone. That just came off of title contention. And he's beaten some major guys. Since losing. And uh, I mean major guy since losing, and uh, Alexander Gustafson submitted him in the fourth round. I think he, uh, and other people have said this, I think he got the rub from John in a positive way, and being a commentator, and being immersed in the sport, and loving it, and having to break it down, and constantly think about it, and go over it in his head, and give analysis. Um, I think it helps his game, and he constantly evolves, even though he's 32 and 14. He's had a great team. Great MMA team that's like on the forefront of developing new great guys, Factory X, and then you have Glover Teixeira. You have a guy who's a veteran and he's beaten some up and comers and been that and been the gatekeeper. Uh, Carl Robinson, who's fighting on this card, submit him first round. Uh, submitted Ayan Kutalaba, who just came off of a great win or uh, he just lost, but came off of a a great fight. Um, like banger of a first couple seconds of a fight. Um, got stopped by him, and then Nikita Krolov came in and tried to show back up in the UFC after doing work at older divisions, and to share once again shut his dreams down. So Anthony Smith's taking a step down from the competition they was fighting to fight this gatekeeper, and. Get another win, especially over a legend in the sport. And Anthony Smith's the legend killer. As much as he's the lion heart, he's also the legend killer. He slaughtered. Uh, he beat Alexander Gustafsson, uh, Shogun, um, Rashad, and yeah, that's about it. Um, but yeah, as far as the light heavyweights, he's done it. He's beat some of the best. So going and getting a Glover is not a bad idea. And see who else is in the light heavyweight division. Because that might point his next and... That might point his neck... That might be his next uh, victim if he beats Glover. Okay, so there's no one, like, older. But after him, there's always a rematch with Thiago Santos. Uh, Dominic Reyes a fight or a Juan fight. If Juan doesn't fight Jones, well, I wouldn't fight Corey. But yeah, so anyway. Anyway. So I think I like Anthony Smith in this. I just don't like it if it goes to a jiu-jitsu thing, just because I know Anthony Smith would love to test his jiu-jitsu against, uh, Glover I just think the Glover's just so good down there and so veteran savvy that if you fuck up and you give him top position um yeah 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 anyway give him top position he'll have a better chance of fishing you know um And Anthony Smith, as far as the technical aspect, has to keep long, keep Glover on the back foot, um, beat him up. Like, do level changes, like, make him focus on different levels. I saw him working uppercuts, obviously a great thing if you take anything away from the Gustafson fight. But just be long, jab, stick. I would do, I would, like, jab fake takedowns, make him bite on takedowns, um, circle left-right, obviously. If you're not jabbing, you're throwing the right hand, um... And then you're jabbing, uppercutting, uh and then don't ever square up so he can get a takedown. And keep your back off the cage. That's about it. Alright. So that being said, that's all I got for you guys today. Um, oh, here's a little bit more news and some good news to go off of, even though everything's been going on in the world. And I have hope everyone's staying safe and as things are opening back up, I hope that as well. Um Anthony Johnson is back, guys. He's 236 pounds. His mini camp returns for his, Uf- or for his UFC return. He's looking great. He's looking in great shape. Uh, 36. Probably going to come back as a heavyweight. I love it. I hope everyone's excited about that. And that being said, enjoy your day. Enjoy the fights tomorrow. We'll be back Thursday. And we'll break down those fights. And then we're going to break down versus Saturday because we got the return of Walt Harris um, in a fight against Alistair Overeem. Should be good. Should be good. So we're going to come back, break down those fights after talking about tomorrow's fights. And, uh, oh, I guess they're in Jacksonville tonight too. All right. Or tomorrow night. Cool. So I'll s- talk to you guys later. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you guys need anything, follow us on sunscrapnation.com. Go to our Instagram, Facebook uh, Twitter, Southern Scrap Nation, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all forms of social media and all forms of listening apps. Go check it out. And if you just want everything in one place, SouthernScrapNation.com. I've been your host, Daniel Jonas. It's been great. Until next time, stay safe. Peace.